the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The information on this show is not intended to be the primary basis for investment decisions and should not be used to provide financial advice. Please obtain the guidance of a financial professional regarding your particular financial concerns. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. This program reflects the views of Arif Halabi, California Insurance License 0B93792 of TFS Financial Insurance Services. TFS Financial Insurance Services, California Insurance License Number 0F22477, provides retirement income strategies using insurance and annuity products, which are guaranteed by the claims-paying ability of the issuing company. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about finance. Hey, welcome to the show. I'm Eric Halby. Thanks for being with me. The Total Financial Hour on AM870, The Answer. Hey, let me give you the number to start off with. It's 888-99-RETIRE, 888-99-RETIRE. Uh, look, we're going to talk about a lot of things today. And for most of it, it's going to be a little bit heavy. Now, what do I mean by that? It's the opportunity for you to maybe learn a little bit about yourself, but also the ones around you. Look, we've seen a lot of conversation about the mental health of Joe Biden and some of the people around him not saying anything. You know and I know that something is wrong. It may be nothing. It may be a lot. I don't know. But if you've dealt with folks that have had memory issues, even as far as Alzheimer's in the past, you see signs and symptoms that there's a problem. Where I want to go with this is for you to understand a couple of things. With the people around you that you love and you care about, maybe suffering other types of mental issues, mental breakdowns, maybe some, some concerns that you see or that you have that could actually help lead you to assist them in getting help. Maybe that's the right answer. Uh, I want to go over a couple of statistics, just some things for you to understand to begin with here. First of all, you understand that, that the Americans, the, the individuals that are out of work, you see... Most people want to work. Now, that's not human nature. I'm not saying that. But most human beings want to work. They want to be productive. Whatever it is, working in the field, can I help you with you, you know, clean the garage? Can I help you do this? Most people want to be involved. There are some that try to coast by and, and float, through, you know, float through life. Okay. But financially speaking, the goal for you to build for your retirement plan is to, and to, to build a retirement income strategy is so that you never are required to count on somebody else for money. Food pantries, right? Uh, mortgage assistance, electric, electric bill paying assistance. S- some of these things are real. Some of them are forced upon us because we were fine before we had a job. But now someone in some office declared me not essential and tough luck. You don't get to work. But don't worry. Gavin Newsom did not miss a paycheck. His entire staff, including those 26-year-olds that, that have a job of telling you what to do and that, that you are not obeying, well, their check is fine. And, and, and they have great health insurance, by the way. I don't know if you know that. Incredible health insurance. So don't worry. It's you now that gets to suffer. And across the board, across the board, these are the same people that are telling you that, eh, you just, you just stay home and, and we'll let you know when, when the time is for you to come out of the hole. Uh, getting, in, getting a little bit into the political, but more importantly, the financial side of it, you know, we tell our clients, I want you to build for six months of emergencies, six months, right? I want to see that you 
can pay your electric bill for six months, even if you're not working. So that emergency, that savings accounts, we, we like, so let's say your bills are 5,000 a month. I don't mean travel and all the other fun stuff you do, but emergency stuff. All right. 5,000. Of course, five times six is $30,000. So that's where I'd like to see that savings account. That's not where we're, that we're going to touch. It's not what we're going to uh, fix the roof with. Nothing like that. It is just the, the, oh gosh, darn it. The whole world is falling apart. I need to access these funds. All right. When we're working through this, when you're trying to figure out what do I do with my retirement accounts, do I turn them into an income stream to kind of help, help offset the risk or the problems? Well, I want you to realize there are choices out there. The markets can be at all-time highs. That's all wonderful. You're not going to be retired for 15 minutes or for two weeks. You're going to be retired for a lifetime. So you have to have this money last for the rest of your life. It's nice when it goes up, but remember the old adage, buy low and sell what? High. I didn't say buy at the bottom and sell at the top. So if you have a profit in your accounts, if you say, I'm okay with where I'm at, financially speaking, I just can't afford to lose, you just decide if that's half or two-thirds, whatever that number is that you want to set aside and protect and get reasonable rates of return, kind of grow, then, then look and measure yourself. I don't know what gold is going to do. I don't know what oil is going to do. Heck, nobody knows. But I can tell you this, there is peace of mind that comes into play when you have an ongoing stream of income. Well, you don't have to worry. You don't have to worry. You don't have to ask permission. Can I have a paycheck today? Hey, I'm going to stand in line for two hours at the food bank. Hey, is it okay if I go through? I mean, look at the elementary schools. I saw everything from Lexus to Range Rovers driving through the elementary schools, getting their little sack lunch from somebody who looks like uh, you know, a Jodie Foster movie dressed like a space person handing out food and they're driving off to, to go home. Uh, listen, I think there's a problem with that. And the problem with it isn't so much that people need it or don't need it. It's that it has to even exist. Like, why does it even have to be there? Right? These are people that spent a lot of money on, obviously, their automobiles. That's all I can see. And you have to have a plan B, streams of income that come in no matter what. And if you still feel like you want to stand in line at a food bank, I mean, those are your choices. But there are plenty of us that don't want to do that. We don't think that's the way to go. We think it's for those other people, right? Well, then now you find yourself in a financial position where you don't have a choice. And I want to, I want to break that. So in this journey that you're going through where somebody else said that you're not essential, where somebody looked at you and says, well, sorry, you don't get to work. What about the kids? Right? There's that window of time. I don't know. Maybe it's 12 years old to 15, kind of this no man's land for young people as a parent of three children. I can tell you there, there seems to be this window of time where they're not daddy's little girl or, or mom's, you know, mama's boy. They're not, that, they're not clingy and they're not quite independent and they, they're trying to figure themselves out. And they always look to mom and dad and they look for stability. They, they look for confidence. They look for, believe it or not, a sense of self-worth to come from you. Not from the fashion magazines or the, or the social media. The self-worth to come from you as a parent. And if we don't transfer that down during this economic craziness, right? If there's chaos in the household, there will be chaos at the school. And so I wanted to bring in uh, Maureen Donahue and have her have a conversation with us. And I'm going to introduce you to you guys because this will be the first time you hear her. I hope not the last. 
because she's somebody who who I've trusted implicitly over the years to have on various radio shows and uh, at least her con her content and ask her advice on different issues as a psychotherapist. Maureen Donahue is a licensed clinical social worker. Maureen, you've been in practice for how long? 17 years. Okay, so for 17 years as a licensed clinical social worker, this moment in time, the last couple months, you've worked with, I guess, trauma patients. Is that Where's your specialty? Let's start with that because I want to kind of link that together with this. I've worked with trauma for 28 years, actually, and... Um, I, I work with uh, kids starting in junior high um, and teenagers and adults, and what I'm seeing is is unprecedented. You know, I think it's harder and harder to be those ages. You know, kids growing up, um, but especially now, the struggles. Yeah, they're just there's a lot more need, and for everybody, like nobody's immune from the f- impact of what's going on. And I mentioned that the kids always look up to the parents or or the adults in the household, and they look to them and say, mm-hmm. "Tell me." that I'm okay. Tell me that things are going to be okay. And if they see chaos and struggles, yeah. I've always seen that amplified out in the, into the young people. You know, um, what we show our kids, you know, if we're okay, they're going to feel safe. And, but, you know, they have antenna. They know when we're not okay, right? And so the best things we can do is to take care of ourselves. But people are struggling, and that's why it's impacting all of the kids in some way. You know, Maureen, I wanted you to, ha- to come on the show for a couple of reasons. One of those specifically is we are seeing this increased amount of fear that's happening on the streets simply because on the streets there's the chaos, there's the riots, not just the protests. Protests have gone on forever. It's the riots. It's the destruction of other people's property. It's the, uh, the fear that law enforcement isn't going to be there to help. It's, in- it's funny. The people that are impacted the most from something like this protection that, that law enforcement generally brings to the table are usually the most vulnerable because we live in the suburbs. We're away from that. It's the folks that are the urban communities that tend to suffer. So most folks have kind of looked at that and said, well, I guess trauma is going to take place there. I, be- I guess those poor people over there. But it through television and social media, we're seeing this throughout society now. And that has impacted your practice that's now all over California, I guess. Yeah, actually, there's exceptions have been made for therapists that we can, a lot of us, most of us are doing telehealth now, because we're, we can do that, we can still provide essential services that way. Um, But we can see people anywhere in the country. So there are exceptions. But um, yeah, the fear is impacting everyone. Um, And it's a lot of it's fear of change and loss. And what we don't know that everybody is struggling with is um, grieving, you know, because they're grieving the world we're used to living in. And all of the uncertainty is really difficult. We don't know how to be with uncertainty. And most a lot of people, as you know, (laughs) don't plan for the future. And so they're really struggling you know, um, and you were talking about economically, but, you know, with the uncertainty, um, you know, work, school, everything, the structure of our lives, the yeah. fabric of of our world, it's it's all up in the air and scary. So are you seeing that some of the same symptoms, some of the, the same consequences in one's behavior is, is the sense of grieving or loss? I mean, I've not heard Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah. But it, it makes sense. It's very, it's That's what's happening. And, and, um, outside of, I think, clinicians, you know, that, that's what's happening and people don't realize and we don't understand, you know, 
people are showing all kinds of mental health symptoms. Like there, Michelle Obama just said something about it. I yeah, know, yeah. You know, she called it a low-grade depression. But, you know, we might be less motivated. People are eating more or drinking a little more alcohol or exercising less or just sleeping too late, that kind of thing. And we don't understand why. Um, and it's it's a it's like a mourning period. We're we're just coping with, you know, everything being uprooted. So this is uh, almost identical to what I share with our clients when they retire. You've yeah. worked for thirty three years. You were important to somebody. You mattered to somebody. They counted on you being there. Whatever work you were doing had some sort of meeting meaning. And you know, on Thursday they have a big party for you, and they send you away with a plaque or a watch. They clap. And you're out the door, and maybe there's one or two more dinners. And then they move on with their life, and you now have to figure out what's important. So that grieving process we're seeing that, that traditionally occurred when somebody was in their 60s or 70s is now occurring when you're in your 30s or 40s or 50s for the working class. And then, of course, for young people that never planned on retiring when they were 14 years old. And so that same <laughs> grieving process yeah. is, is dramatic. That's a great analogy. That's exactly what's happening. Um, you know, a lot of people struggle with depression um, when they retire, um, if, especially if they don't have a plan for what they're going to do because they need to be productive. We all, we identify, especially in our culture, through through doing, you know, and um, we can't do what we're used to doing. And so people are losing their jobs. And for kids, you know, their jobs are as students and um, or at least in the way that they're used to having it, you know, like we were talking earlier, you know, kids aren't even, some haven't logged on to Zoom at all. Yeah. Right. So they don't have their job. They don't have their, their structure in their life that they, you know, define themselves. And nobody's holding them accountable because the system, everybody's afraid to offend little Johnny or Susie and nobody's holding them accountable. Uh, We have a client that's a physical education teacher and she was attempting to do a physical head on Zoom, and she had the camera back. She says, okay, everybody stand up. And she said, only one of all of the kids that were logged on actually stood up. The rest of them just sat there. And uh, just as she begun, one of them said, so, excuse me, Mrs. Uh, so-and-so, are we supposed to get up uh, and do things? And she said, yeah, that, that, it's, it's PE. PE. We're, supposed to, <laughs> we're supposed to get up. Concept. And she said he reached over and just shut off the computer and logged off. And I said, oh, my gosh, are you going to fail them? She goes, we're not allowed to fail them. Whatever grade they had in March is the grade they get. I said, so what, what, do you, what, what requires them to do that? Well, just the kids that want to get into college, you know, they have to keep their grades. And more importantly, because since their grades aren't changing, they have to cre- uh, keep their uh, intelligence and their knowledge base up, right? Yeah. Well, that, you just got rid of half of the kids because most of them don't care. They either go to college later and they really haven't planned. So there's the few, the eight kids, you know, out of a hundred that, that have those parents or that are self-motivated and the rest of them, parents are trying to go to work and they're trying to be busy and, and they're afraid of what's going to happen next. And now there's another loan program. And, and there's, especially if you're small business, man, heaven forbid, you know, that some small businesses are out of business forever. So that fear manifests itself in our young people. Folks, I want to give you our phone number real quick. 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-997-3847. That's 888-99-RETIRE. That gets a hold of me, Total Financial Solutions and TFS Financial Insurance Services. And of course, we're here every week at this time talking about your family's finances and being able to help, I don't know, maybe walk walk you through some of this time of life. But I also want to give you Maureen's phone number, Maureen Donahue. Reach out to her at 661-AREA-CODE-373- 
661-373-1465. That's 661-373-1465. Maureen Donahue is a licensed clinical social worker, a psychotherapist, somebody who specializes in trauma and working with young people. But uh, you've worked with adults, of course, throughout the years as well. I've always worked with adults. Yes. But, yeah. So the connection or the nexus between adults suffering uh, through temporary, I, I guess, depression, whatever it might be, but that tends to, to work itself through to the kids based on what's happening at home, the conversations Absolutely. at home, right? So what do you see as a way to look and notice the behavior changes in the young people? Where, where does that begin to manifest it, itself uh, I guess I'd have to say we know our kids better than anyone, right? And so you know when something's changing with your kid and when little Johnny's struggling. Um, and, you know, if, you do, if you're not sure, err on the side of caution and, and get help. But a lot of, you know, a lot of the mental health needs that, you know, we're all having right now, a lot of them can be met at home. Of course, there's a need for, you know, professional help, um, especially anyone with, like, kind of pre-existing mental health issues or, you know, going through losses, that kinds of thing. Um, the more the changes in the family, you know, if people are losing jobs and, and are depressed and, you know, struggling with that kind of thing, it's everything's going to impact the kids. So, you know, when the economy changes, kids' mental health is affected, right? And are you seeing that it manifests itself with um, violent outbursts or with re- retreating from, you know, the typical family dinners or weekend events? Where Where do you see it? Or maybe it everything, can look I guess. so yeah it's it's wide open it can look so many different ways you know symptoms of depression um, can be like changes in eating it can be overeating or not eating um, it impacts our sleep we can just not be able to get out of bed or we just can't sleep so it's it's a huge range it runs the gamut um, but so we're looking for changes so dramatic changes or or, or even slight or even ones, subtle I guess. changes yeah. you know that's you know, clinical depression, those are some of the criteria. But um, most people are having anxiety because it's it's about fear and change and loss. And so I think checking in with ourselves and really checking in with our kids because we know our kids <laughs> and um, and really checking in with each other, you know, not just the hi, how are you to a friend or, you know, um, but, you know, how are you really kind of thing? And like when you're talking to a teenager, you know, ask specific stuff and, and really get in there and and pay attention, you know. And it's hard to do when we're struggling ourselves. And I right? would say, you know, removing distractions, whether it's shutting the television off in the background or the radio or getting away from the other members of the family, maybe going out back or going for a walk at the park, something where you're removed from the from the distractions almost as if there is a spotlight put on the event, I would guess. In other words, a young person knows this is important. This is this is not a normal. I'm walking from the kitchen yeah. to the living room. How are you? This is a we we need a chance to talk kind of time. Yeah, you know, carving out and and making a point um, to to check in or to um, to do anything that's going to boost our mental health, like getting outside, moving, like having quality family time. A lot of people are just sick to death of each other because sure. they've been cooped up together and yeah. parents are tired of their kids and kids want nothing to do with their parents and teenagers don't anyway, right? So, um, 
but we still need the quality time, right? So everybody needs space individually, but then we also need the quality time because we've lost so much and we're grieving and we don't know it that what we really need is to, to experience what we still have, which is that quality family time. So have the meal times together, get out and go for a walk, you know, or, or do it together. Um, like for teenagers and, and kids, you know, Parents can support them by facilitating their social contact. And if they're not doing it in person, it doesn't have to be, you know, um, and I'm not getting into the politics of that and whether or not we should distance, but we need to stay connected. We are social creatures, and this is what what's hurting us, right? Um, even though a lot of the introverts are in heaven right now, and the <laughs> extroverts are losing their minds, right? But um we need to stay connected, and we we can do that. There are so many things we can do. We can't just despair, you know. You, I, I've seen so many creative things, right? Yes. Teenagers figure stuff out. They're writing each other letters. They're they're doing like Netflix um, parties where they watch movies at the same time, or they read the same book, or they they FaceTime all day long with their friends. Yeah, we can do that too. Like I've done Zoom family reunions um, with my family around the country. We're in way more contact than we ever were. So, you know, good and bad, but (laughs) (laughs) it can pull people together. You know, I see a lot of symptoms in retirement, uh, especially this trend that I'm starting to notice where I have uh, clients that are in their late 50s, early 60s, and they still have a teen or even a preteen. I was with a gentleman last week that was 60 years old and he has a seven year old. And, you know, you do the math backwards and you're like, oh, my word, that he's going to be, you know, 70 something before the child's out of college. And so you think about this. And it's uh, almost similar in the sense that as a senior, you retire and your daughter or son are still 12 or 14 years old. And now you're around all the time. Yeah. And now you don't have purpose all the time. And now you have you know mild cases of depression because nobody needs you anywhere. And then the parent tends to over dominate, if you will, the, the child's life. So what are we doing now? What are we doing now? Yeah, they're helicoptering. You know? Yeah, right. Like trying to and, and they weren't the, the kid. Yeah. yeah, and they weren't that way before. So let's join this and let's go here. And so we see that in some of our clients that retire a little later with younger kids, or unfortunately, sometimes grandparents have to raise their grandchildren. Yeah, a lot of that. Yes, and they expect it to be retired. Now they're 74 years old, dealing with a 10 and a 14-year-old. How do they manage that? So a lot of these cases were observed and solved before, if you will, but today now we're seeing it where parents are in a forced situation because financially they, there's no money coming in. And that adds a level of stress to Huge a family. Level, yeah. Because look, as a father and as a husband, my job is to provide, uh, right? It's a traditional way of life. Not everybody is the same, but my job is, is a provider, is a caretaker. It's standing at the door. It's keeping the wolf away. It's, it's that kind of a sure. defense, if you will, or offense. It's, it's that life. And when you remove that, whether it be through, uh, you know, on purpose or on accident, whether somebody is forced to retire, we've had folks in their early 60s who planned on working another five years, well, that's over. So they now are forced to retire. So what does it mean to a family when there is great upheaval? How do we deal with that on a regular basis? Do we have monthly family meetings, weekly family meetings, uh, is there some sort of structure that can benefit to see, hey, guys, how are things feeling? 
I think what's most important, and it's going to vary, right? Because families are different. Um, some families eat dinner together like clockwork every night, you know, and some just never ever do. So it's staying connected and whatever that means for your family, right? If you've never had family meetings, maybe you should do that, you know, or um, if you guys just watch TV, choose movies and watch them together, whatever it is. But it's about staying connected. And it's it's not just with each other and your family. You know, parents, we need to help our kids stay connected because that's what they need, right? They We can mitigate a lot of the losses. Like I said, we're social creatures. We need to stay connected. So we need to get reconnected with ourselves. So let's describe connected. each other. So that, what does that mean? Does that mean... You and I in a car going for a drive? Does that mean sitting at the park bench? What does connected mean? It means really being present and focusing on each other. So if we're going for a drive, um, let's be parked and make an eye contact when we're, we're talking and actually fully engaged, right? Because when we're going through so much loss, and it's a very isolating experience, right? Grief and mourning, you know, we've We've lost people, right? It's a very isolating experience. And so that's why we need to feel connected to each other. And, um, you know, people who are, are, are single, retired, or at home, or, or lost their jobs, you know, there are places online when they can just connect with people they don't know, because that's really important, right? Um, for students, you know, we can help our kids stay connected. Um, but to stay connected with our kids, just really checking in with them and asking very specific questions. Folks, we're going to continue in just a minute. Maureen Donahue, licensed clinical social worker, psychotherapist, and a friend of mine, Total Financial Solutions. Stay with me. I'm Eric Hallaby, the TFS Financial Insurance Services, and we bring you this show on AM870, The Answer, 888-99-RETIRE. I'm Eric Hallaby. Stay with me, and we'll be right back. Now Arif has a plan for me, higher income strategy. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about... Hey, welcome back to the show. Thanks for staying with me. I'm Arif Halaby, Total Financial Hour. Hey, every week at this time, we try to bring you our financial uh, wisdom, but not the typical, right? Uh, how many times have you listened to a financial show? And you need, uh, I, I don't know, a whiteboard, and abacus, and uh, you know, three small children to, uh, to play the role of denominator and numerator as they run around and give you the various uh, pie charts and percentages. And you're sitting there going, how do I even figure this stuff out? That's not our radio shows. We've done this, uh, I don't know, about 3,000 radio shows now. And our goal is to always speak to you in a, in a format that is real. It's a format that you deal with every single day. My goal isn't to make it seem like I'm smarter than you and you're smarter than, than the neighbor. And because you listen to the show, it, it, it's not about that. It's about how do you make life a little bit better? How do you get rid of some of the craziness of everybody screaming from one uh, side or the other? And I don't mean just politically. I mean, financially, you have different groups. Everybody's uh, buy gold, sell gold, buy Bitcoin, sell Bitcoin, oil. No, no, no. It's corn. Soybeans and pork bellies, that's where the money is. Forget it. We like reliable retirement income. I like to have the opportunity to have guarantees and steadiness. Because right now, is it not the time that ha- that, to have something that has peace of mind, that has something in your life, financially speaking, that just kind of, I don't know, it's there. It's like electricity. You turn on the switch and it works. Well, having monthly income, having a guaranteed protection, 
Growing when the market goes up, not going backwards. That sounds pretty good to me. So what do we talk about? Well, we always bring in experts that know what they're talking about in the field, in my case, in this, in this case today, of the grieving of the loss when you retire. You know, we've brought that up before, but I've never really put it together as it's happening now very acutely when we're dealing with the COVID-19 flu, right? When this, the Chinese virus has come through and it's really wiped out a lot of hope more than anything. It certainly has killed a lot of people, no question. I don't know, a quarter of a million people die per year from malpractice, as much as 400,000 a year, actually, if you ask the American Medical Association. So when you're telling me that between 250 and 400,000 people die from malpractice, we don't ban hospitals, we don't ban doctors, we don't shut the economy down. So I understand people are going to pass away. I mean, it's a sad thing. But the amount of devastation felt across the spectrum across the socioeconomic areas from the the devastation of job losses and routine loss and school uh, sanctuaries of, of those schools that kids went to and not every school there are certainly some not so good ones out there so how do we deal with that so we brought in an expert Maureen Donahue licensed clinical social worker psychotherapist Maureen is an expert in this field of trauma for quite some time, I want to tell you, somewhere in the neighborhood of, of uh, 17 years, I think she's been in practice. And of those 17 years, prior to that, another 11. So a total of 28 years in trauma work. And that's been a big, big problem. So tell me exactly, Maureen, as we get into the details here, where do you see three, four, five months from now, maybe? I mean, I don't know if, if we're going to be in a position to hopefully be back to normal. Three years, two years, how long is it going to take for kids to get their psycho uh, oh analysis back? I don't know what the right word to, is on track again. That I, you know, I think the uncertainty is what we're all so concerned about, right? And um, it's, it's getting worse because there's so much loss and we still don't know what to expect, right? Everybody's thinking that things are going to be okay once they go back to normal, but we need to address the, our mental health needs now and um, like take care of what and whatever the situation is and our kids and each other right now because it's going to be a long time. It's going to be years for us to recover from this. You know, Maureen, we've talked uh, uh, systematically in life. We have a beginning, middle, and an end. We have a, st- uh, a pattern of behavior, right? You're a little yeah. baby and then you grow up, you go to school, et cetera, uh, the traditional ways you get married, have children and get your career and retire and die. All right. This world has now been uh, shaken up so much because here's what we see. We see these poor young people who are now going to go through the system of life with this trauma in their life at formidable times. Okay. Listen, my prom was not the best in the world. In fact, it was very, uh, very much a letdown. And like most people I've talked to, they, they thought the prom was supposed to be something dramatic. And, and for many, it was a letdown. But, it, but had I not gone, I would still be wondering what it would have been like. Yeah. Right? I, I think you still would have thought uh, this fantasy and the, you would have put into your mind all of the things that it could have been. You so wouldn't that, have had the. You would have had a loss. That's right. Which is what we're experiencing. All of all of our rites of passage, right? 
birthdays, funerals, weddings, graduations, graduations. Mm-hmm. you know, kids are not going off to college. They're, they're sitting in front of their computers just like they did at the end of last semester. And, you know, we define the structure of our lives through our rites of passage, right? Like you talked about as, you know, your role as a father and provider or people when they retire, you know, that's a huge part of our identity is, is, is what we do and, you know, where we are in life. That's how we gauge things through our rites of passage or through our work or just being productive and feeling valuable in some way. And so when we lose that and we have no idea how long it's going to be or how bad it's going to get, there's a tremendous amount of fear that comes with the uncertainty of that. And we often see that grandparents can be that rock because this is such a small percentage of their life, whereas a young person, it could be a much larger percentage, of course. And a grandparent generally has perspective. They can look back and say, yeah, we had tough times in these... And they, they didn't last forever. Right. Any advice that you might have for a grandparent to come along, that young person, and say, maybe we could go out to lunch, maybe we can just have a picnic in the backyard, but here's some things I want to share with you. I think that would be great. Um, perspective is what we need because that's what's lost, right? And that's someone who has a, a lot more life experience can offer to you a, a young person. You know, young children... I mean, there are kindergartners who, like, they're just starting. They don't even know what school is yet. And this is the experience they're going to get, right? So I think the most important thing anyone can do is talk to their kids, right? And especially grandparents, they can do, they can do that and offer a perspective. And, and even to us, we can all do that for each other. Cause even at, at, I'm 51 at my age, we all need our perspective and we lose it in times of struggle. We are not our best selves under stress and everybody is stressed. And are we seeing that as grandparents, maybe who have retired for three, four, five years or maybe longer, they may have that freedom, that Mm. perspective, they've settled into this phase of their life. Yeah. So they understand maybe an opportunity to, to add some balance. Maybe that's the answer is to have parents or grandparents or surrogate grandparents, you know, the older couple or the older lady that lives down the street, maybe see about bringing them into your life a little bit more. You know, that's a great idea, especially the more the parents are struggling, we need others to to help, right? We need to reach out for help. And if there are, you know, grandparents who are retired and more emotionally available, maybe if their lives haven't been so impacted, like and they're not struggling from depression because they can't pay the rent or the mortgage or feed the kids, you know, the kids need something else. They need the healthy balance and grandparents can be a great solution. We've seen uh, guys, uh, part of the total financial solutions uh, idea, if you will, is to have those guaranteed streams of income, the ability to never go backwards is reasons that Dennis Prager, Larry Elder, they work with us. Uh, I should tell you that they spend a lot of time in their background, I don't want to say background check, but you know, checking us out, making sure we were the right group to work with. And one of the comments that Dennis had brought to me that I never really paid attention to before was that we had a balanced approach. It wasn't just about numbers and graphs. And he said, you really talk to the person and the human being. And I thought that was, uh, that over three years ago still sits with me as something that I didn't even realize we did as our approach to the financial situations that everybody encounters. Mm -hmm. But it's to understand that just because things are happening on the outside doesn't mean you have to allow them to happen on the inside. You can 
give give things permission, give events permission to hurt you or not. And Absolutely. Tell me about that trauma that we're facing. And it isn't just physical trauma. People think that, yeah. uh, you know, historically you watch a show on television, oh, that's trauma. Yeah, natural disaster, rape, that kind of thing. Yes. There, there's emotional trauma there. Yeah, there's. it's a lot wider, a lot, lot broader than that. Um, you know, we need to choose our thoughts very, very carefully because they are very, very powerful. And we don't realize that. Um, they create our feelings. Like, you know, the old saying, the glass is half full or half empty, right? It's it's both, right? But if you want to focus on, you know, the losses and the negative thoughts, which is automatic in the way our brains are wired, you're going to feel lousy, you know? But if you, you know, do the gratitude thing and say, you know, I, I have my family, my health, and, you know, we the silver linings are there, we... We have all this extra time together. My family's coming closer. We're getting out in nature. You know, we're exercising more. We're feeling more connected or whatever it is, those kinds of things, finding the silver linings. So our thoughts are extremely powerful. We're going to feel a lot better, a lot more positive. I'm going to challenge you guys to sit down as a parent or grandparent with your children or grandchildren and write down three things. It doesn't have to be an essay. Three things that you're grateful for right now. Because that gratitude, and it can be an event uh, that occurred, it could be a scenario, but I want this occasion to sit where you sit down and go over this. It can happen this week sometime. It doesn't have to be today, but it, it does have to be something where there are no other distractions. And it's you, one-on-one, would be preferred, maybe two, but no more than two grandchildren or children around. And sit down and write down, what are you grateful for? Just brainstorm. And then I'd like to hear in that. Tell me about each one. Describe it. That's a great idea. Because what we do for folks that are ready to retire is I always give them three questions. If you're planning on retiring or you choose to become a client of ours, there are three questions. And I like to see husband and wives work on these separately. And then they come to us and reveal the answers together. And those three questions really help me kind of make sure that whatever I'm doing fits their values. Not my values. It's your money. It's your retiring, not me. And it's, what would you do with $10 million? And you just tell me. And you write it down. What would you do? Because that starts to explore. There's a story that goes behind it. There's reasons why I would do this, and then I would do that. And then tell me, how would you like to be remembered? What does that mean? How do you want to be remembered? And tell me something very important. Describe your perfect day. What does that look like? Wake up in the morning to the time you go to bed. In that window of time, what would you call a perfect day? The people that would be in your lives, the events, even where you're located. And if you sit down and you do that, folks, as we do with retirees or pre-retirees, and you do that with young people, I think you can have a chance to deal with what Maureen is talking about in, in a much more balanced way or a healthier way. You know, there's Young people that you've seen acting out, if you can give us some, maybe some description of what young people have done, some bad or negative behaviors. I don't know what you would call it. There's got to be a, a psychotherapy way, word. I would say bad behaviors, but you say nothing is bad. You know, bad well, is behavior, well, we have old to. Old seafood. <laughs> Gas station seafood, bad. <laughs> When we see bad behavior, um, I, we always have to look past behavior and, and ask what the need is that's underlying, right? And um, 
And so with any behavior, it's like, okay, something's wrong. And that's what we really need to know and address the underlying need. Because if we can do that, then the behavior goes away. But it's like what you're talking about with financial planning. You know, if if we don't do anything now and just, you know, worry about it later, it's just going to be a mess, right? It's the same with mental health. We can't wait until, oh, when this is all over, then I'll be okay. And when my finances get here or when the job comes back or when anything happens, it's not the way to live. I'll be okay if and when such and such happens. It's like if I'm not okay now, I need to take care of where I am right now. And that that thought shifting, like what you said, I love the idea of the three things you're grateful for. I would encourage people to do it every single day and at the end of the day or in the, even better yet in the beginning because thought shifting, it's um, it's – it's very powerful. It's a part of a, a therapy modality. Um, you know, if we are just wired for negative thinking and we're focused on one negative thought begets the next, right? But if we make this slightest little shift and what you're grateful for does that, then we end up on a completely different path. And our thoughts really do create our feelings that drive our actions, right? So if we think all this negative stuff, we feel despair, and then we, you know, we we do things that are not healthy for us to cope, right? But if we, you know, if we're grateful and we we think positive things about our family and then we're going to feel better and we're going to be wanting to spend quality time and and it's going to completely change our our experience because of what we thought. Um, When nothing outside of ourselves and our circumstances have changed, right? But we can change our experience of our circumstance. You know, you've heard stories of people surviving in the Vietnamese uh, uh, prison camps, right, or prisoner of war camps in World War II in Germany, wherever they might have been, where life has been so bleak, and yet they came through in a, in a much more balanced approach. And part of it was they said, listen, you can damage my body, but you can't touch my mind. In other words, guys... The economy can suffer, the, the social interactions outside can suffer, but nobody can touch your mind without your permission. You exactly. can give up permission. And I want to encourage you, both young men and women, as well as adults, of course, it is, it is 100% yours. It's not owned by your spouse. It's not owned by your parents or your <laughs> kids. It's not owned by anybody except you. And that's a very powerful part of the conversation. It is. And I would say... Don't even believe everything you think because we are wired for negative thinking. We're wired for safety to detect danger, right? And thoughts are just thoughts. You need to choose them very, very wisely. Be aware of them. That's why we need to check in with ourselves. And it all starts with our self-care, right? Because we're going to be better to everyone else if, if we're taking care of ourselves. So pay attention to those thoughts and realize they're just thoughts. They're not necessarily right. But if we don't pay close attention to them, we believe them without – it's not a conscious process. Yeah. Right? And then they create our feelings that drive our actions, and then we have this mess of you despair. Know, in our total money school, we have a, a basic money school class. And in our total money school class, I start off with the very beginning. I think it's within the first 10 minutes. And I say, uh, what you think about, when you think about it long enough – like, it, 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 let me back up. If I go to a room and I say, how many of you want to be wealthy? Yay, everybody raise their hand. How many of you want to be rich, super rich? Yay, everybody raise their hand. You want the stuff. Everybody wants the stuff, right? Yay. Yeah. And we say, okay, who's willing to work weekends? Oh, well, maybe not. Who's willing to work late? 
okay, maybe not, who's willing to, you know, downsize their house. And so, in other words, as things start to occur and adjust and maybe modify, they go, well, you know, I'm okay with where I'm at. And I think mentally, you say, who wants to be healthy mentally? And you say, oh, everybody wants to be. Who wants to be strong and emotional? Yes. Okay, but you have to do this work. Well, you have to give up that. Oh, the belief that you you had here, it's just not real. You have to adjust that. Oh, well, maybe, maybe not. Yeah. And so we start out with saying, if you think about things long enough, you do them. And when you do things long enough, what do they become? Your habits. Yep. And your habits make up your character. And your character makes up who you are. Yeah. So when you don't like who you are financially, that's how we are, the point of view, we always brought it in. But I can see it represented here as well. Sure. Then there becomes this opportunity to go backwards to the thinking. And so there was a book called Think and Grow Rich. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of it. It's often a, a financial recommendation or self-help book. In fact, a lot I of... I have heard of that. Yeah, a lot of uh, multi-level marketing groups, you know, they recommend it. It's a great book, in fact. Think and Grow Rich. It really changed my thinking because it allowed me to know that I didn't have to live in a, in a world of victimhood. Yeah. So many people find power in being a victim. I mean, look at these organizations, right? You look around, and I know you're not here for political reasons, so I won't bring up the, the three-lettered organizations that we, uh, that we despise. But those organizations that exist who live in nothing except being a victim, well, there's a lot of power my gosh, you can make a living being a victim. Well, f- folks, in your life, there's a lot of power in being a victim, right? People, how are you? How are you? Tell me about, and you can, you can thrive where you're not necessarily receiving financial compensation, but you're receiving the attention that, that people are giving you because, quote, you're a victim. And I think there's a way, Maureen, that, that you've walked people through this. I've known some of them that you've walked through and come out on the other side through handling that. So can you give me a couple of thought-shifting ideas? What, what physically can I do or mentally can I do to thought-shift when I'm starting to get down that victim road? Okay. You know, I think you just gave a great example of how our perceptions really are our reality, right? Um, and the glass being half full or half empty. So if we... Just stop and and notice what we're thinking, um, as if it you know something happening outside of ourselves. Because we're usually so busy and our brains are on autopilot and we're zoning out, and we don't even realize what we're thinking. So stop and actually just pay attention to your thoughts. It all starts there. Know that it's your choice, right? Your your perceptions are your reality. You know, being a victim in that role and living that way, that's a choice. Right. But if you don't just stop and know that it's a choice, you're not going to make a different one. And if you don't know how to do that, so stop and notice your thoughts. Just pay attention to what you're thinking and notice how you're feeling and gain some objectivity there and just kind of check in with yourself, you know, and you got to pause in life, which we don't do in our culture at all. But you have to really just stop and do that and realize wow, you know, I've got all these things stressing me out and I feel like crap right now. Yeah. And um, and I've got all this fear and anxiety. And and then you say, okay, let me try this, right? Um, and start thinking about what you're grateful for, right? What you look forward to. If you don't plan something, have something to look forward to, 
right? Um, what do you want? How do you, what are you looking forward to things being different, right? What makes you happy? What can you do in the moment? Like what, what do you enjoy that you can spend time doing? Any one of these, any kind of thought shifting um, thing at all, if you just pause, we call it a resiliency pause, and you just shift with any one of those can be your tools. You're you know, going to be in a different place. That's how I operate throughout the year is I operate off of looking forward to my next vacation or my next event, something where I'm dealing with my kids, uh, my wife, my family, something that is the next thing. And COVID took all of that away. I had a couple of vacations planned this year. I had a couple yeah. events I wanted to take my kids out and do some things. By doing that, by having that now stripped from me, I had to make a choice to either go back and focus on the loss right. or replace it with something else, certainly not as dramatic and not as grandiose, but maybe it was something to look forward to that was a local vacation or a local event or something small that we were going to do. And then I think that really made a difference because like everybody, we got into a funk as well. Sure. You know, you, you feel like, oh my gosh, the world has, has lost its mind. You know, I'm not a believer that it's as dramatic and we need to shut down the economy for this. Not at all. I've seen that the trauma is so dramatic for the world. And I think there are other things that we can do. And I think people know it. But that being said, that's out of my control. It's not as if I can go and make those changes. So there are things we can control. And if you can give me maybe in the next 30 seconds or so, thought shifting is a great thing. Writing down in gratitude. Uh, I want to make sure people have a chance to, to take away one or two items that you would say, do today. Do it right now. Structure your time. Learn something new. Um, find your sense of awe. Get out in nature, um, move, um, do any kind of creative endeavor. Anything like that is is going to boost our mental health, all of it, you know, and make you feel in control again and mitigate your losses that are real. Folks, that's Maureen Donahue, psychotherapist. Let me give you her phone number one more time, 661-373-1465. That's 661, area code 373-1465. Hey, if you didn't get that phone number, you can always give us a call or uh, just call me at the office. I have no problem with giving it to you again. Maureen Donahue, folks, 888-99-RETIRE. That's our number, 888-997-3847. The Total Financial Hour, every week at this time. Guys, you can go online, download some of our old podcasts, get an idea of what we think. Like I said, you'll always be able to have it somewhere uh, stored safely so that if you are not sure about the next level of financial success, we'll just pull up one of our old shows. Triple eight ninety nine retire I'm Eric Hallaby, the Total Financial Hour on AM870, The Answer. Strategy, learn from Arab Hallaby.